0: 70-pound kettlebell. Banked Out
1: Radio Show, man, Hi, hey, Jerry, tuned in for another episode of Banked Out Radio Show, and I have another Zoom interview for y'all. I have Alex Salkin. Who is a, um, I guess strength all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and then author. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But what I thought it was very interesting was the kettleball. <laughs> because you normally don't like seeing that. I guess displayed in advertisement for strength training. At least I haven't. you know, you normally see the uh, the uh, what was it the deadlifting. Um, you know, free wage, things of that nature. So, was, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey out of reading, where you know you was introduced to this, and uh, back in like two thousand and eight, and I guess in two thousand and ten is when you I guess turned it into a business.
0: That's right. Yeah. Um. You know, it's funny because I grew up as sort of like scrawny, unathletic, weak, mm-hmm. goofy, really uncoordinated. <laughs> uh, you know, picked not quite last, but usually like yeah. second or third to last for team sports and public mm-hmm. elementary school and middle school and and what have you. And uh, nothing really screamed like you must do this in terms of like my physical fitness as a kid. And I always wanted to be fit, you know, and I tried to stay physically active. But like team sports, which is mm-hmm. the main way I think that kids uh, excel physically. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it was just something that didn't really speak to me. But the individual aspect of uh, lifting weights, at least traditional weights like, you know, kettlebell or not kettlebell, but rather like barbell and dumbbell and things like that. Also, like I tried my best with them and you know, I I saw some early success, but it wasn't really something that that caught me very, um, very particularly. And and it wasn't until I discovered the kettlebell in 2008, uh, mm-hmm. thanks to a friend of mine who was very insistent that I give mm-hmm. him a try, that I really kind of started to take off. And. Even though I could say in earnest that maybe 2010 was around the first time that I was able to turn it into a business, realistically it was probably more like I would say like 2011 because I got certified as an instructor in in 2010, but I got my first uh, client in 2011, and then more of them kind of started rolling in, and then eventually, you know, next thing I knew, I was doing a corporate fitness program at a local TV station. And I realized, you know, this is really what I want to do. This is the sort of a thing that I could see myself doing long term. But Mm -hmm. it's not always easy to cash in on your passion because sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not easy to understand, well, what is it that makes uh, what I'm doing not only more beneficial to people, but how do I how do I get that across to them? I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've experienced this. There's something Mm -hmm. you're passionate about. You try to tell people about it. And then when you're explaining it, you're just looking at their eyes glaze over. They're like, mm-hmm. like, like you're, you're having a hard time explaining like why this thing is so cool. That was me with the yeah. kettlebell for mm-hmm. a very long time.
1: Yeah, I can imagine because, you know, uh, it's not like talked about a whole lot. Um, so in doing so, like, you know, you start working with the kettlebell. Um, at what point did you see where, you know, one, what you was doing with the kettlebell started working like how long was that process for you and then what would be like some advantages of working with the kettlebell versus you know all the other stuff that people work with?
0: okay so first question was when did I start to notice some uh results with the kettlebell like personally mm-hmm. in my own training mm-hmm. well I would say immediately really because I know I mean maybe what it was was that it wasn't that I was seeing results immediately but I could I could see like the path toward results because, um, you know, I was doing stuff that required my entire body to move as opposed to just like one joint at a time, you know, like curls or Mm -hmm. tricep extensions, kind of the stuff that we all get uh, accustomed to early on. So I, I would say immediately I started to notice a difference. It was like, now my whole body's moving together. I feel like a lot more explosive. I feel like I can lift a lot more weight and I can, I can make some really great headway. But mm-hmm. realistically, it was probably within the first couple of weeks or months that I started to notice specific differences. Um, and I I can recall specifically as well, that I went from being able to press like a 35 pound kettlebell overhead is uh, when I got started, which is, you know, pretty normal. But within about, I want to say like eight months, I could press a, a 70 pound kettlebell overhead. Mm-hmm. So and again, from somebody who is perpetually picked almost last for mm-hmm. every sports team and you know it was scrawny and unathletic mm-hmm. this is a big deal mm-hmm. and um so when i when stuff like that started to happen i i was like okay this is what i really need to be doing and i need to stick with this and i also need to figure out how i can get other people interested in this because like mm-hmm. i just said you know like i would try to explain mm-hmm. uh, like what most people do is like i tried to explain what it was Mm-hmm. and people are like okay well who cares it's like a ball with a handle Who cares? Yeah. you know like what's the big deal as opposed to what it does for them you mm-hmm. know even just describing what it does for me a lot of people can't they can't really uh they can't really identify with it so i have to mm-hmm. be able to i had to be able to describe okay what what can it do for you and your second question remind me so that i don't answer the wrong question
1: oh shit i just forget because i said there so tuned in <laughs> yeah i i
0: was That's gonna make a joke one. it's uh, like yeah. Like, you know, Chuck Norris joke, you know, he but, mm-hmm. he didn't dial the wrong number. You answered the wrong phone. So I yeah. didn't want to do the same thing. Like, you know, <laughs> I you, you asked the wrong question. I gave you the proper answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's what I would say in terms of wh- I think it was why people should consider using a kettlebell. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Versus the other ones. Yes, other exactly. Pieces you know what I would Yeah. What I would say is that. Um, a lot of times people ask this question, I think it's a really good one, but I would also encourage them to to think not in terms of either or, but in terms of both and like if you're already, let's say on a physical, you have some sort of a physical fitness uh, regimen of some sort, maybe it's running, maybe you go to the gym and you hit the machines or you lift the free weights. And then a good question would be, how can the kettlebell help you with your current routine so that you can add it kind of like a both and sort of a thing? as Mm -hmm. opposed to abandon everything else? Because I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the right answer. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, let's say you're training for a 5K Mm -hmm. or maybe a half marathon or a full marathon, then it it would be crazy not to run because you're going to show up completely jacked up, you know, Mm -hmm. or you're going to end up completely jacked up if you're not actually preparing for that specific event. And Mm -hmm. I would say similarly, if you are enjoying the stuff that you do in the gym and -hmm. you're simply looking for ways to make it work even better for you, then by all means, you're going to be in a much better position in most cases if you can intelligently include something that will add some complementary element to it. So I'll give you an example. Um, Most gym routines, I think it's safe to say, at least for gentlemen, are focused around uh, the strengthening and building up the muscles we can see when we look in the mirror. Um, in my niche of the fitness industry, we like to call these the show muscles, you know, Mm -hmm. the ones that you can kind of show off and that sort of a thing. Whereas the muscles in the back of your body, we would call the go muscles. And these are the ones that are largely responsible for athletic prowess. So your back, your glutes, the hamstrings, things like that. And so Mm. I think one great example of how to add the kettlebell into an existing program to, to enhance it would be to simply learn how to do something like a kettlebell swing. Now, it does take some proper instruction. Um, some people who have really good, you know, mind muscle connection may be able to figure it out on their own. But generally speaking, you'll do better if you get some actual, you know, in person instruction on it. And mm-hmm. uh, but what the swing is, it's basically kind of like uh, you would think about like a deadlift where you're just lifting a weight off the ground and you stand up. It's sort of like that exact same movement, but it's done in a ballistic manner. So it's done with a bit more momentum. So what this mm-hmm. does is this allows you to take advantage not only of mm-hmm. the unique construction of the kettlebell, but it also allows you to build up a good degree of explosive lower body power, which most mm-hmm. of us uh, really don't build much of in the gym, unless mm-hmm. we're doing something like maybe sprints on, um, mm-hmm. you know, on, the, on a treadmill or things of that nature. Uh, but it's very gentle because there's no uh, impact, meaning, you know even with sprints, your feet have to hit the ground at a certain point. For some people, it's just a little bit too much. It's a sort of an exercise that can be scaled relatively easy easily to just about anybody. So mm. it would be a great addition to just about anybody's training program, not just for the explosive lower body benefits that you get from it, but also because your heart and lungs are going to take a hit too. So there's a little bit of a, we'll call it a lowercase C. Cardio benefit to Mm -hmm. uh, swings as well.
1: So, so with the kettlebell in particular, um, can it be used as or in part of a rehabilitation, um, you know, workout? So, like let's say if someone had like back problems or something like that and wanted to strengthen, would you be able to use the kettlebell in that instance?
0: I would say, with the blessing and direction of a good rehab specialists, it's Mm -hmm. very, very possible. I think it depends a lot on the nature of the issue because Mm -hmm. there are a number of physical therapists, a very well-known physical therapist who uh, have been singing the praises of a kettlebell for a long time. So Mm -hmm. a good example would be Gray Cook, who's the Mm -hmm. founder of the Functional Movement Screen. Uh, I believe he's been the physical therapist for various NFL teams and and uh, uh, things of that nature. He's a really big fan of the kettlebell for uh, rehabilitative purposes, obviously Mm -hmm. under the right circumstances. Um, Other people like uh, Professor Stuart McGill, who is uh, probably the world's leading expert in spine biomechanics. He's a professor out of a university in Canada, Mm -hmm. and he is, again, someone who has sung the praises of kettlebells for a very long time. Uh, Really comes down to the individual, because Kind of mm-hmm. like with anything, you know, there are going to be certain pieces of equipment that are going to work well for certain people, depending on what their their fitness goals are. But mm-hmm. I think the same could be said about rehabilitation goals, mm-hmm. meaning you might have a physical therapist who would say, okay, you know, your problem is that, you know, you your back is weak and you just need to strengthen it. And deadlifts are a good way to do it. So let's start with kettlebell deadlifts. Or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, your shoulders are, are not very stable. So we're going to do this, that, or the other kettlebell movement to help stabilize your shoulders. So uh, it absolutely can. I think primarily the kettlebell is phenomenal as a piece of exercise equipment, but in the right hands, it can be a, it can be a real power tool for for rehabilitation specialists as well.
1: So why isn't this particular instrument like viewed as, and the masses like you know other things are? Is it because it doesn't like look sexy, or is it due to you know?
2: Hey, Jaylene over here at Barbara's Tax and Credit Repair. Uh, we just want to let everybody know that there are um, a required list of documents that are necessary when you are filing your taxes. Um, so we're just gonna list them off and get that started. Firstly, we want your state ID or your driver's license and it must be valid. Um, also, we do require a social security card, a W-2, 1099, insurance card, a DBA with business ledger, a lease contract for new clients, um, copy of your bank check, dependent social security card, birth certificate, dependent's insurance card, school records and or doctor records, and then a letter for, from the de- dependent's parents. All signed documents must have a copy kept in the tax customer file. This includes the bank application, consent to use of tax return, form 8879, and a state e-file form. We look forward to servicing all your tax needs.
1: The way that you have to use it, it's it's impractical for a lot of people, or they just don't understand in your opinion. I think it's exactly. (laughs)
0: that's me but i think yeah i think for a lot of people they think it looks weird you know the thing that i've noticed over the years has been that um a a really big it's a subtext people normally may not tell you this uh, you know as a personal trainer but they don't want to look stupid so Mm -hmm. if they're being asked to do something even if it's super effective if it makes if they feel that it makes them look stupid or Mm. silly or embarrassed they Mm. may be less likely to do it and the other mm-hmm. thing is also I would say uh, part of that is if, if you just look like you don't have a lot of competence with a mm-hmm. particular thing, then by extension you're going to maybe feel like you look stupid or mm-hmm. like you don't know what you're doing or whatever the case may be. So I would I, I will say this. In the 15 years that I've been using kettlebells, mm-hmm. you've gone from like nobody knowing what a kettlebell was. Like I would try to describe it to people and it was like it was like I was playing Pictionary. You mm-hmm. know? It was like maybe you have to do this. It's like a ball, like a cannonball. And there's mm-hmm. like a handle on it, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm using my hands to try to describe, and people are still drawing a blank. Like I, I can't even imagine what this looks like. So um, mm-hmm. nowadays, people more or less know what they are. Um, they just may not necessarily have any experience with it. So mm-hmm. I do think that the kettlebell is still unique in the sense that, um, unlike barbells and dumbbells, where there's a certain like understanding culturally how mm-hmm. to do some things with them. Even if people aren't doing them well, people more or less know what a bench press is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you lay down on your on a bench, mm-hmm. you lower the weight to your chest and you lift it mm-hmm. back up. Obviously, there's more technique than just that. But, you know, people more or less know the shape of the exercise. Likewise with you know, bicep curls, you know, maybe shoulder presses, things like that. But with a kettlebell, you know, you're dealing with, in particular, a lot of ballistic movements, like I mentioned swings earlier, Um, A number of other different ballistic movements like cleans, high poles, snatches, things like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, They they look dangerous and they can be if you don't know how to do them. And people also I think many cases they're like, well, what does that even work? You know, so Mm -hmm. it it seems to them like it's more of like a series of maybe we'll say like party tricks or cool things that they could do, but they don't understand exactly what it will do for them. And Mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, that's what people are really interested in is they want to know what is what will this do for me or, Mm -hmm. you know, for my particular goals. So I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, it's it's viewed as kind of a novelty piece of equipment as opposed to, you know, a piece of equipment with hundreds of years of history, maybe even longer. And um, and a lot of people just don't have we haven't reached the point in our culture where it's so ubiquitous that everybody kind of Mm -hmm. knows what to do with it i we mm-hmm. may reach that point but it may take another 15 years maybe mm-hmm. maybe it'll take 20 years um but i think that's a big reason why it's like people have a vague understanding of what it is now but they don't have mm-hmm. that sort of competence as as to what it's uh, what it's made to do
1: okay um so with you being in the industry of you know physical fitness and you know training people working at all strengthening explosion and all that, and you had to build your business. At what point, um, did you come up with the nine minute challenge? I see where, you know, it's used as, you know, because people are so bombarded with everything nowadays that they act like they don't have enough time to work out.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, I keep seeing where, you know, in the industries that, you know, these different explosive type of workouts are, I'm about where, you know, it's only going to take, take 10 minutes, 9 minutes, 12 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever the case may be. When, you, when were you able to develop this? I
0: wrote it in 2020. And, you know, previous to that, um, I had had, you know, I put out a lot of other different, you know, articles, free reports, mm-hmm. um, challenges, things of that nature. And, one of the things that I have I noticed, and this was something I had noticed years prior, actually, was that people seem to get the best results with the smallest commitments. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if you ask people, okay, let's say you want to get in good shape, tell me what the process is going to look like. Most of them are probably going to tell you, okay, I go to the gym five days a week and work out for an hour. I do a mixture of, you know, weight training and cardio and all this other stuff. And then you ask them, okay, so you know, what you think. And there's no reason that wouldn't work, but why aren't you doing it? And there are plenty of very good reasons for it. You know, I, I'm not one of those people who says, oh, what's your excuse? You know, here's an example of somebody who's got a very stressful and, and uh, action-packed life, and they're still doing all the things that you agreed you need to do. So what's your excuse? Reality is, is we, we all have very good excuses. And it's a mistake to think that uh, it's a good idea to teach someone how to swim by pushing them into the deep end and being mm-hmm. like, all right, you'll figure it out because you have to. You know, um, People don't like being put in situations like that and they typically don't respond well to it. So what it, um, it was about in 2015 in particular, I, um, it was a very busy year for me because I was constantly traveling to teach fitness workshops mm-hmm. and my in-person classes that I had mm-hmm. were in some sense they were suffering a little bit. I remember I had a group of ladies that I was teaching and mm-hmm. I told them, I was like, Hey, I'm going to be out of town for two weeks. I'm going to go teach this, you this know, workshop. And they were like, you know, that's great for you, but for us, you know, we need you because you know, you're, they're here to mm-hmm. teach us and all this other stuff. And, and then you're gone for a week or two weeks and, you know, we're like, we're just kind of in limbo. And so I said, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to put together a chat group mm-hmm. and What I want to do is I've already taught you a good number of things. So, you know, a certain number of exercises and things like that every day. Mm -hmm. I just want you to check in with your commitment is going to be five minutes of exercise of some sort. It could be as simple as going for a walk. It could be as simple as doing some basic calisthenics, Mm -hmm. anything you want. And once you've hit that five minutes, you've hit your commitment and you can stop. You know, you can keep going if you want, but Mm -hmm. five minutes is your only commitment and so you'll just check in with me every day and everybody else in the group and um so when i'm whether i'm uh in town or out of town this way we'll be able to make sure that you're you're continuing and there's no there are no moments of limbo let's say so turns out it was a huge hit because um they all they never missed a day number one mm-hmm. and part of it was cuz it was so easy it's like 5 minutes it's easier to do it than not to do it mm-hmm. you know so but what was interesting is after maybe a week and a half, two weeks, the average was 10 minutes a day. So their commitment was still only five, but often you know, they would check in, like, oh, I did 10 minutes of this, that, or the other thing, or 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. And it became much easier for them to do that because it became a habit. So one of the things that I started to realize was that you know, people like me who love fitness and love exercise and are just naturally able to carve out uh, time for it, we figure out how to do that kind of subconsciously. It's, mm-hmm. it's like we don't have to be told how to do it. But for people who want the kind of skills and abilities that come naturally to us, we have to sort of reverse engineer how to make it happen. And so the first layer of that is just consistency. So you have mm-hmm. to be able to stay consistent with your training, even if it's not something, you know, like super crazy hard. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be. It just has to be something that you can do every day. And uh, what ended up happening was, you know, they were, these ladies were losing weight, they were getting stronger. One of them said that she didn't have to see her chiropractor for like three months. And she used to see him like every week. And so mm-hmm. she even got a, a, a phone call from him like, hey, is everything okay? I haven't heard from you in like 12 weeks. It's like, well, everything was great. You know, she was <laughs> in better shape than she'd ever been. I think cool. about that from a chiropractor. Hey, is everything okay? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, that's usually a good sign if you don't have to see the chiropractor every week. Yeah. But uh, so the key with the nine minute challenge then was to sort of replicate this, the experience that i would had at teaching these ladies, which mm-hmm. was that um, everybody has, you know, even 10 minutes to some people just seems, you're like, scary, you know, but nine minutes, it's, it's a singular digit. So people are like, mm-hmm. okay, nine minutes, I can do that. Um, and what's more, the movements that I included in their movements that You don't really need all that much special instruction for, you know, you do need a little bit like with anything, but there are no ballistic movements. Like I mentioned the kettlebell swing earlier. Mm -hmm. So nothing that requires a lot of technique or that you're likely to get hurt doing Mm -hmm. Uh, the nine minute challenge is focused around uh, full body movements that, that require you to use what's called your gait pattern or your body's walking pattern. Mm -hmm. So if you think about the way that humans move, like if you were in a forest and you saw um, some movement in the background and you didn't see any details, but you could see that the, that, it you know, the, uh, whatever it was, was walking upright and had a certain kind of movement to you. You could say, okay, that was a person. Maybe they're out on a hike. Maybe it was Bigfoot, who knows, mm-hmm. but you could tell that it's a person. Okay. Yeah. Whereas if it's a bear bears, mm-hmm. if you ever see them walk on their, on their hind legs, it's, it's sort of a very awkward kind mm-hmm. of, uh, kind of movement. So all this to say the gate pattern is, I would say the most, um, Uh, identifying movement pattern of the human being. And it's what we are most, or what we are best designed to do. We're Mm -hmm. designed to be on our feet, moving, doing all sorts of different things. So if you get good at that movement pattern, which can manifest itself in a variety of ways, anything from carrying, meaning like you Mm -hmm. hold something, uh, like, you know, in my challenge, it's just a kettlebell or two kettlebells and you walk with them. So it's Mm -hmm. a great way to strengthen the entire movement pattern by adding a little bit of weight to it. Uh, mm-hmm. or similarly crawling on the ground. You know, it's, uh, it's another way, it's the way that we learn how to build up our gait pattern as babies. And mm-hmm. it's also using all of our muscles, but in a slightly different way. So you're kind of like training all these muscles at a, let's say a different angle or at a different use. And it's allowing you to, to train a lot of different muscles, all at the same time, and all toward one specific goal, which is to go mm-hmm. from point A to point B. And what I found was that people who do these things, and I had found this from different you know, programs or challenges that I'd offered in the past, is that people gained a lot from it. And so I thought, well, you know, if I put it into something where people can kind of get, let's say, like a smorgasbord version of it, they take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, add it into their current program, meaning they don't have to put the regular program to the side, but maybe they warm up with the nine minute challenge, or they do the, the nine minute challenge as a finisher at the end of their training, then uh, what I noticed was happening was that people were starting to get much faster results in their training um, for the people who really only had time to do the nine minute challenge. They were still seeing that they were getting leaner, they were getting mm-hmm. stronger, they were building muscle, they improved their stamina, their coordination. And the whole idea behind it was to, again, replicate the experience that my my female clients back from back in 2015 had experienced by simply being committed Five minutes a day you know the difference was that with them um i didn't place any limits on exactly what they could do because i had worked with them enough that i knew that they had a certain repertoire of things that they could they could pick from and that Mm -hmm. they would be successful with and since the nine minute challenge is for people who i don't know people who i've never worked with i'm starting with a thing that i am certain that they are least likely to have spent any time training which is their walking pattern in a variety of different ways So, the whole idea is to give them an excuse to succeed Mm -hmm. because it's only nine minutes long and it's something that doesn't require a ton of equipment. Uh, To give them a path to succeed by giving them some guidance and, you know, here are moves you do on certain days, here are moves you do on other days, and to give them something that's actually enjoyable because nobody Mm -hmm. likes to, you know, take time out of their day to do something that they know that they should and have it just be like boring and unfun and and what Mm -hmm. have you and whether my colleagues like it or not. People like to enjoy their training. You know, I call it enter training a little bit. They need to have something where they feel like um, it's not a drudgery or a chore, but it's actually something that they really look forward to because now physical fitness and health becomes Mm -hmm. something that they associate with positive feelings as opposed to this sort of somber, like, oh, I guess I should
1: do this sort of an Mm -hmm. event. So So in building your business, right, and you find telling them that, What um, things did you have to overcome, you know, one, landing your first client, um, and then along the way, you know, improvements did you have to make
0: That's a very good question. So I got certified again as a kettlebell instructor in 2010. And uh, around that time, I didn't, I hadn't really thought about myself as a personal trainer type because my initial plan was to uh, become a linguist. I really mm-hmm. like foreign languages. I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, very cool. And um, it wasn't until I finished my degree, I, I got certified before I finished my degree. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I finished the degree that I was like, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. You know, this is like, it's cool to know foreign languages, but I didn't need a degree to know, you know, mm-hmm. to know any foreign languages to begin with. So why get a master's degree? And, you know, I, so I, I started to come to this very quick realization and that I was at sort of a crossroads. And it was at about this time that, I, I had a profile on a kettlebell training website that was very mm-hmm. well known at the time. And somebody who lived in my town had, um, she had discovered kettlebells through, there was a guy, Tim Ferriss, who wrote mm-hmm. a book called The 4-Hour Workweek and then later wrote a follow-up called The 4-Hour Body, which kind of purported to show you how to more effectively train yourself. And there was a segment on there about uh, a lady named Tracy Rifkin, who Mm -hmm. is the wife of a colleague of mine, Mark, who had lost like 120 pounds, primarily with kettlebell training. Mm. And uh, the lady who reached out to me, she had she wanted to lose some weight. And she knew that kettlebells were a great way to do it. So she reached out to me, I had to do almost nothing, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started going over to her house twice a week. And I would, I would uh, work with her on the kettlebell movements, and we would do swings and you know, a variety of other moves that she was uh, she was more than capable of doing, just needed some some guidance with. And then from there, um, I started teaching friends because I was like, Hey, you know, I've been talking your ear off about kettlebells for years. Why don't you come over and try a workout? Um, some of my colleagues, I was a waiter at the time. That's what you mm-hmm. do when you have a degree in English and it's only <laughs> a bachelor's degree. So I was a waiter at a at a Mexican restaurant in town and one uh-huh. of my one of my uh uh one of my co-workers she knew a lady and her husband who were looking for a, a an in-home personal trainer to come and you know teach him uh kettlebells and mm. oddly enough they decided to hire this waiter to teach. i mean think mm. about like i look at it then and i'm like this makes sense because i was certified and whatever but i look at it now and it's like you know, this guy's like slinging enchiladas you know most mm. of the week and then on the weekend or once yeah. a week he comes over and you know, he's, he's teaching, you know, kettlebell stuff. So mm-hmm. good on them for, you know, for trusting my, my, yeah. Yeah. And
1: like, you know, put you in a box, like, you know, most people probably would. Exactly.
0: I mean, I, I look, even now, I think I would be inclined to put somebody in a box like that. I think maybe given my own experiences, I would be a little mm-hmm. bit more forgiving and I'd be like, okay, he or she's early on in, in their career. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'll give them a chance, but, uh, but yeah, they were very kind to have given me that chance and uh, you know as time went on i um, a lot of it was through word of mouth now mm-hmm. i do think word of mouth is important and there is mm-hmm. a way that you can kind of commandeer it to in your favor mm-hmm. i didn't know what that way was so i really did get quite fortunate in the fact that um i had people who would go to bat for me you know to uh talk to other people that they knew like mm-hmm. uh there was a gal that i was friends with pardon me gal that i was friends with and uh she worked at a tv station and mm-hmm. her boss was really into fitness and he, uh, she had a, uh, a trainer and I, for some reason, I think they, they had to stop working together because the trainer took on a new job or opened a gym or something like that. And so she was in the market for a new trainer and mm-hmm. agreed to, you know, let a waiter come over mm-hmm. to, the, to the TV station yeah. and, uh, and, you know, put her through a, a workout. And so she hired me. And then eventually from there, um, I'd asked her like, well, what about putting together like a, like a program for the you know, the people who work here. And so she said, Okay, let's do it. So I then I, I started to run this corporate fitness program. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was very fortunate in that regard. But the majority of my training career, I had very little business acumen, a lot mm-hmm. of passion. Mm-hmm. But one thing that you find very quickly is that you can have a lot of passion and even be the best there is in, mm-hmm. in what you do, and still not make a lot of money because mm-hmm. you do need a certain level of we'll just say general business acumen. I if I had to mm-hmm. label it as just one thing I would say marketing in particular. Yeah, uh, to have a good understanding of of how to market your your skills and your abilities uh, mm-hmm. toward the people that you're best suited to help in a way that makes them excited to want to seek you out and and find your help. So there were uh, many years where you know, I just worked as a uh in-home personal trainer, which for a short period of time is fine, but it uh, you know, the amount of time that you spend commuting to various mm-hmm. different places. Uh, it's just not, it's not easy to scale that sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, and so I, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but I will say I definitely suffered for some time because it was like, you know, there's only so much money you can do and uh, mm-hmm. only, only so much money you can make, uh, you know, if you're, if you're doing something like that as a, as a trainer. So eventually I got wise and I uh, opened up an, an online component. To my mm-hmm. to my business and particularly through email marketing now a friend of mine Pat Flynn who is still a very good friend of mine to this day he for years had kind of like gently nudged me said you should start a you should start an email list you know you should start collecting emails you know making offers and and uh, and this sort of a thing and um, you know my my vision of myself uh, made it difficult to do that because I I saw myself principally as a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, somebody who was, let's say, a, like a, a leader or an expert in the field, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I think gives you a little bit more ability to spread out what it is that you do. So, I mean, if you think mm-hmm. about, let's say, uh, a doctor, you go to the, doc- uh, the hospital and you see a particular doctor, the doctor is only going to make money. I think this is how it works. Don't quote me. If he's he or she is at the hospital seeing patients. And then when they go home, you know, they're not making money anymore. And then you think about somebody like, let's say, Dr. Oz, regardless Mm -hmm. of what you think of him, Mm -hmm. um, he is somebody who's uh, been involved in a a number of different uh, promotions or a number of different, you know, things that don't require him to be in a particular place at a particular time in order to make money. Mm -hmm. So even though he's a celebrated doctor and I believe a surgeon in whatever it was that uh, that he did prior to becoming a TV personality, uh, the majority of his money is nowadays is not made by being at a certain place at a certain time doing a certain thing, and then once he goes home, you know the the mm. the fountain of of money just kind of shuts off. So yeah. I I think the reason it took me a long time to make the changes because Pat had been telling me since like 2014, he's like you should start an email list, you should start offering online things. Um, it took until about 2016 before mm-hmm. I really took his idea seriously and started to offer these things because by now I had managed to sort of change my view of myself as somebody who was who offered online things as well I was not strictly an in-person trainer mm-hmm. and the reason I mentioned the mindset thing is because for for most people they'll ask questions about you know uh, what do you need to do to run a business either in person online whatever the case may be and very often you have to up upgrade your own self image. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we might want to do a certain thing, we might want to accomplish a certain thing. But if we don't see ourselves as the kind of person who does the things that allows you to achieve a particular goal, um, your your brain is just going to put the brakes on the whole thing because it's like, you know, it's like you might as well have told yourself you're going to scale Mount Everest with no shoes on. It's like, why would I even take steps toward it? It's not possible. Mm -hmm. So um, so that was a big thing. Is that it? It took and it continues uh, to this day. I always have to kind of work on upgrading, you know, how I view myself and mm-hmm. and uh, and the kind of things that I need to do in order to achieve the things that I want to achieve. First, have to be able to conceive of them in my mind by viewing myself mm-hmm. in a in a different way. So that was a big change that I had to undergo. Um, but once I started doing regular, you know, email blasts to my to my list of people, then it became just like, you know, a must do. Like I, I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't miss a day of doing it. And um, and again, so that's been since about June of 2016. And uh, from there, I started to offer my first ever offering, which is like a monthly uh, paid for newsletter. So it's a, a PDF that I, I send out with training mm-hmm. information and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which has then uh, also gone on to me creating specific like uh, courses, programs, Challenges, guides, things of that nature. So, information products, essentially, for people who are uh, ambitious about their training. They have big ambition, but they only have a little time to accomplish it. And so, I take the mm. expertise that I've learned over the years and how they can be more effective and efficient at what it is that they want to accomplish, and mm. and put whatever time they have available into the into their training in such a way that they can get more out of uh, what they're what they're doing than they would if they were just to try to figure it out all on their own, since yeah. I've been there, done that, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. learned from my experiences and so on and so forth. But on the business side of things, uh, you know, one of the things that I would also mention is that just like uh, somebody who wants to get in better shape needs to invest in a personal trainer, or, you know, even if it's just consulting with one every once in a while to get an idea of what to do in his or her own training, I think it's similar with people who want to run a successful business. You have to invest, in understanding better how to run a business, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think people who are listening to this podcast are already taking a very positive step because Mm -hmm. they're people who have decided, you know, I wanna start listening to more information Mm -hmm. on how to be successful. I wanna start listening Mm -hmm. to more information on, you know, I I wanna surround myself at least mentally with people who think like me and who are taking steps like me because, you know, in their own life, they may not have people like that. So you need to find a tribe as it were. So that's a big first step, but also finding good sources of information is Mm -hmm. uh, is super important. And you may have to pay for them at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I tell people in my career as being an entrepreneur and doing a multitude of things that I do, that starting out, that's what I did. I looked for the information. Like uh, one of the first businesses I had was uh, I called a music promotions company. I got a degree in business, concentration in marketing, but I always had a love for music. So I started like music. Promotions was basically marketing of the music. Yeah. Um, and I went and I bought books. Now i be in class. I already did my assignment. i will be in the counseling and all that stuff. <laughs> I already did this assignment. Now I'm reading books about that, So I did all the research. But then I started finding people who were in the industry. And I would pay them for their time. Because I knew that when, when doing that, you get to lessen The curve, learning curve. Yeah. You get to accelerate quicker in what you were trying to do with your goal. And you're avoiding all these pitfalls that you didn't even know that were out there. Yeah. Um, Jumping into the industry because it takes someone being active in the industry to be able to tell you what's there and the landmines that are there that, you know I'm saying, you can avoid. So I always advocate people doing things like that. You'll find like a lot of good free resources, but if you really want the stuff that is going to make a big impact then yes, that's trial by error with a lot of people, and you need to pay them for their expertise. So I definitely agree with that. Um, Big time. I I see that, you know, I've been going through your social media, and also I wanted to take this. Uh, Your pictures are fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Um, They really resonate with me because the one with you holding the sledgehammer where your hand is at the end of it. Yeah really demonstrates strength
0: oh yeah
1: i'm like that was phenomenal so i don't know who Thank thought you. of that if you, that was you or a combination of you talking with other people and stuff like that but that really does hit the nail on the uh the, what was it yeah hit the nail on the head yeah no yeah. It could have hit me in the head because if you've seen it <laughs> exactly thing, the, the uh, head of the hammer is yeah, very right there me. yeah oh yes. so yeah so that, that that was phenomenal Thank- um so as you're, you're, uh, I'm listening to your story. I'm saying evolution. I'm saying growth. So when did the book come in, and how did you become a best-selling author on, I believe, Amazon with the uh, the No BS uh, Kettle Bell and Body Weight uh, Kickstarter?
0: That's a very good question. I'm going to give you, my friend, a mm-hmm. uh, an outline that's very helpful. I think it'll be helpful for pretty much anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, the first thing that you have to do when you're, when you want to write a book, well, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. tell you what a lot of people do. And I'm sure you've seen this too, mm-hmm. is that a lot of people decide I want to write a book or I want to mm-hmm. do this or that. And so what they start with is uh, the idea of the, the fact that they want to write a book. And so then they, they create a solution that mm-hmm. then goes in search of a problem mm-hmm. and, and, that's not a great way to do things because it's yeah. it's like trying to jam a, a square peg into a round hole or however yeah. that saying goes. Yeah. So the first thing that you want to do is you want to think of what's a problem that people that I help often mm-hmm. face or at least the people who are in the category of people that I could help mm-hmm. often face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I had noticed was that there's a lot of great information on kettlebell training and mm-hmm. a fair bit on body weight training. You know, most people who are interested in kettlebell training also tend to be interested in bodyweight training. And when I say bodyweight training, I mean stuff like we'll say like push-ups, pull-ups, things like that. Um, But there's very little, if any, information on uh, learning how to use both of those uh, tools Mm -hmm. together and learning them at the same time because they're both complementary uh, complementary tools. And similarly, uh, adding in the element of movement. And when I say mm-hmm. movement, I mean, things that we might not normally view as like an exercise per se. I think I mm-hmm. referred to crawling earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, most people would be like, if they saw you crawling like outside as people sometimes see me do. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish with this. Like, you know, what even is this? It just doesn't look like mm-hmm. much of anything, but it has a great impact on our overall fitness and physical mm-hmm. ability and things like that. And so the No BS Kettlebell and Bodyweight Kickstart, is based around these three things. It's kettlebells, calisthenics, and movement. And in particular, Mm -hmm. uh, getting a kickstart with them so that you can learn how to take the basics, get reasonably good at them, and start to apply them into a training protocol. So step one was to solve that problem Mm -hmm. in that, you know, people eventually what normally happens is that like you talked about shortening the learning curve by, Mm -hmm. you know, by seeking out experts in in your Mm -hmm. field who could help you to to learn things more quickly. And so that's what I sought to do is that I, I saw that people were typically on this arc of sorts, where mm-hmm. they were like, okay, I'm going to discover the kettlebell. And they're like, Oh, you know what bodyweight training seems to go well with this? Oh, I need to improve my movement as well. And you know, over the course of time, that might take months or even years before they achieve all of that. So I thought if I could like shorten that down into a two week time period where they would get like a very quick, let's say, taste of all of those things and the impact that it can have on their training. Then, without question, I can make it a lot easier for them to start achieving the results that they want. And mm-hmm. you know, for me, um, that was definitely step number one. Is like I had to, I have to distill down what are the things that are most important for them to know, and then how is it that I can, I can teach them these things in a way that uh, even if they only ever get the book and they never seek out my help specifically, will at least put them on the right path. Meaning, yeah. if they go to their local personal trainer mm-hmm. um, and they say, "I want to learn how to do this stuff." Well, okay, mm-hmm. now they've got a path, so I've done something that I can I can help them, even mm-hmm. if they're not coming directly to me mm-hmm. for help. Um, and then once you've done that, you simply have to organize it in a way that is going to be beneficial for them. So you mm-hmm. have to assume that they know nothing and that it's up to you to get them, uh, we'll, put it, we'll put it this way, maybe not even get them the world's greatest results, but make sure at a minimum that they're not getting hurt. Because yeah. a lot of times, you know, people are like, well, let me give this a shot for myself and, you know, maybe... They could be convinced later to seek out a personal trainer or, you know, reach out to the author himself to, you mm-hmm. know, to get more, more insights. Uh, but at a minimum, you got to make sure you do no harm. Yeah. And this is something that is is key in in personal training, because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, if you're training to get stronger and fitter and healthier, and the next thing you know, you're like, ah, my shoulder hurts, my elbow hurts, you know, I can't bend my knee. It's like, well, you haven't really done a lot to hurt, to help the person. Mm-hmm. And they would have been better off without you. So, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't want to put them in a situation like that. But then uh, putting the book together itself, the the real key after that was uh, just really getting better at being organized about how to put it all together in a way that would not overwhelm them. Because there is a lot of information in there, mm-hmm. but they have to feel like each step is, it's like they're walking up a staircase as opposed to trying to scale, you know, this this like uh, a Mm -hmm. sheer cliff face, you know, where they're just little crevices they can just barely put their fingers into. So Mm -hmm. um, that was the whole thing is I had to kind of think, who am I trying to help? What would I need to let them know in order to be willing and in fact, and excited to take the next step. And then Mm -hmm. how do I put these steps together in order so they can go from the bottom of the staircase, Mm -hmm. you know, presumably knowing nothing or very little to the top of the staircase where they have achieved a reasonable amount of confidence and competence where with or without me, they could continue onward and their life has been made better. Yeah. So that was essentially it. It was figuring out a problem that I could solve. Who is it that I can best help? And then how mm-hmm. do I put together the information in a way that uh, even through the written word and you know some pictures and stuff like that, that they are going to be able to reasonably expect to be able to move forward?
1: Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I love it. Um so it's like you're building your own empire, right because you go from just starting out as a, a fitness instructor to now you know doing classes like you said, doing the newsletters building up a yep. database of customers writing the book um having digital content and now I see that you know you're incorporating uh, social media into that and creating content for, You know informational purposes that will you know ultimately sort of like act like a sales funnel. um what do you you know one how do you make the time to do all that and have you gotten to the point where you like you have a team or is it just you uh, doing all this
0: still just me one day i will have Mm -hmm. a team i need to upgrade that i think in my own Mm -hmm. uh Uh, conception of it part of it too is i think if i have a better understanding of the numbers like i can more easily predict you know i'm going to bring in like this amount of money from this uh you know location doing this Mm. whatever then it's easier to figure out how much to allocate to a team for right Mm. now it's just me um the other thing is that you know since 2019 i've done this all online so Mm. um it's kind of fortuitous honestly because i didn't you know i didn't see that the, some pandemic mm-hmm. was coming yeah. it was just like I, you know in 2020 i had set up a bunch of workshops that i was going to be doing all over the world and i remember thinking and i had just moved back to omaha nebraska where i where i grew up mm-hmm. and i was like you know i really i love training people in person and so i thought about getting a job at a gym like just part time because i still mm-hmm. wanted the online side to be the you know my my main focus and then i realized i was like okay i have to think about this from the standpoint of uh, of uh, the gym owner like they're not gonna be cool with me leaving for two to four weeks at a time, you mm-hmm. know, to go teach abroad. They're gonna be like, "Well, you have, you know, you have to find someone to train your people." So I thought, mm-hmm. well, forget it. I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna get a uh, a job at a gym. I'll just do everything mm-hmm. online. Yes. Uh, and again, that that turned out to be uh, very helpful. So part of it is that it's just built into my daily schedule to you know put out content. You mentioned a sales funnel, so this will be a good time to mention um, both in terms of my social media presence as well as my book how Mm -hmm. I get people onto my email list because again, my bread and butter is through uh, the daily email tips that I send out and in Mm -hmm. each one of them, there's always an opportunity to buy something. you know, Mm -hmm. I don't do any real hard selling. I don't find there's any need for it. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people do very well with it. It's just not my personality. It's more like I like Mm -hmm. to tell stories and give people Mm -hmm. tips and get them excited about something. And then Mm -hmm. if it's relevant to something that I sell, uh, then I include some information on you know that particular thing in case people mm-hmm. want to you know continue to pursue it further. But you know with each social media post that I put out, um, I always make it as engaging as possible. And the only call to action that I have is to get my nine minute kettlebell and bodyweight challenge. So I don't mm-hmm. try to sell them anything. Um, mm-hmm. Some people do, and they they do a phenomenal job of it. Um, I find that it, th- the way things work best with most people is just to ask them to take the next step not to mm-hmm. ask them to take a big leap, you know, okay. like, you, I like you mentioned the idea of like an evolution with me, like I started mm-hmm. as a personal trainer, and then I started you know, some online stuff and then so on and so forth. And that's exactly right. Um, it's very much, uh, I would say, I'm we'll say maybe a macrocosm of mm-hmm. my book, which I described as being just kind of helping people to take the next step. So mm-hmm. they go from the bottom of the staircase all the way to the top. Well, it's very much the same, you know, if we want to uh, evolve into something greater. So we just need to have some way of, of doing that. And so on the, we'll say on the zoomed in side of things, yeah, with each of my social media posts, there's always uh, an encouragement for viewers or readers to get my nine minute kettlebell and bodyweight challenge. And, and I'm always very forthright. I tell them, like, if you go to the, the, um, the, the uh, opt-in page, I let them know that I'm going to email them every day and there's, mm-hmm. there's going to be opportunities for them to buy things. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm not trying to, yeah. see, you know. like Yeah. yeah.
1: I think authenticity you know, uh, is one of the best sellers of not selling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the other thing too is think about it like this. If you have an email list, you have to pay for those people. Like mm-hmm. you're paying their rent. They're, they're on your list. But, you know, the larger your list becomes, the more you have to, uh, the more you have to pay to keep them on. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes sense to have people on who really want to be there. And mm-hmm. for people who want to, stay there and they want to, you know, create a relationship with you because the way I see it in particular is yes, you know, obviously, my goal as a business owner is to make money. That's Mm -hmm. the goal of any business. Um, But the way in which I do it is not just selling information products, or online coaching or consulting, but I want to create a relationship with people because I Mm -hmm. I genuinely want people to see that there's a much shorter path to their goals than -hmm. what they may have thought otherwise because mm-hmm. i was a you know a geeky gangly completely uncoordinated doofus growing up and mm-hmm. if i had known all these things as a as a youth i would have jumped on it but there mm-hmm. was just wasn't this kind of information for people like me back in those days
2: mm-hmm. and i think
0: there were a lot of other people who were very similar to me who kind of slipped through the cracks they always wanted to be physically active and they always wanted to be strong and fit and healthy and mm-hmm. i want to let these people know that your heyday is not behind you it's it's ahead of you mm-hmm. so you know, if you want to join me in, on this journey, I want to help you. Mm-hmm. And so the the most important thing for me is to create a relationship. And that's what I use my, my daily emails to do because they hear from me every day. I always have something useful and helpful to tell them. And of course, I always have something useful and helpful to sell them. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, in part because I can't really help somebody unless I sell them something. You mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, um, you know, free resources are very mm-hmm. good but at some point or another you want to you have to have some skin in the game so mm-hmm. if it's free it's much harder i think very often for people uh, to see uh, a ton of benefit from whatever it may be whether it's a course or mm-hmm. you know a video series because taking action based off of something that you have not had to give anything to mm-hmm. to receive uh, there's a disconnect and so a lot of times people will get great information with free resources but mm-hmm. they don't take great action because mm-hmm. they've put no skin in the game so yeah. Selling is is really a, a necessity, and so that's one of the reasons I'm very forthright with people about it because I don't think there's anything dirty about mm-hmm. selling. I want to help you, and I can't help you unless you, you know you put some skin in the game. So, um, so that's a, a big, huge part of it. And my social media is designed to uh, get people to take the next step. You know, get the mm-hmm. nine minute challenge. When people get the nine minute challenge, you know, the next step is to get them to buy something that I think would be helpful for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and from there, you know, the next step is just. Me helping them to learn and understand better the process of getting stronger, fitter, healthier, moving better, becoming more resilient, mm-hmm. and uh, using all the experience that I've had, making all the mistakes that I've made, and you know, tripping and fumbling and stumbling and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. and turning all those experiences into something that helps people to go from, you know, just having no idea what the next step should be to having a staircase that they can step up and go far beyond what they thought was even possible.
1: So now you have all this business experience, you have all this experience working on clients and things of that are nature, and you've increased your knowledge. i sure you felt even more of a passion for what you do based off of the experience you've had. Going into 2024, what type of goals are you setting for yourself and for your business?
0: Total world domination. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> You know, a big one is um, I want to put out more books because one of the things I realized was that, um, you know, when I released my first book, it was a huge help for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Another big one is that I want to have a better organization of uh, all the inner workings of my business. And so, you know, a good example is that there are certain things uh, or metrics that I don't track right now Mm -hmm. that I think if I did track them would make it easier for me to be able to... uh, like allocate a certain amount of time or energy to in certain directions versus others. Like mm-hmm. um, my hunch, for instance, is that um, being a guest on more podcasts is helpful mm-hmm. because you know, mm-hmm. if you think about it, you hear somebody talk for thirty minutes, sixty mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end, they're either pretty hot or cold. They're either like, mm-hmm. hey, "This doesn't really sound like it's for me," and this guy's a mm-hmm. dweeb and whatever, or they're like, "You know what? This guy's mm-hmm. really speaking to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I really, I really appreciate what he's doing." Uh, mm-hmm. let me let me see if I can uh, learn more about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, that's another part of it. Well, uh, maybe another way to put it would be shameless self promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't think self promotion is mm-hmm. a bad thing. Some no, that's not. Uh, uh, I just want
1: to uh just add a little bit and I want you to continue to talk with this though. Sure, with the podcast, I can say so since I've been doing, I've been doing this podcast since, since 2016, mm, that's nice. how I was able to build up my audience by having so many different guests and. I've talked to like various industries that I was able to tap into everybody's audience. So yeah. they're, they're all those little bitty people who started like, oh, I like the way he does this and asks questions and very engaging, the things that I made sure, they started following. And that built my Facebook page up to the 11,000 followers that I have. Wow. Organically. It's incredible. Yeah,
0: you know, you, need, you need to be praised for that because I'll tell you what, it is hard to get an organic Facebook audience nowadays. It used to be like right. in the early days, it was uh-huh. like... Yeah, make it as yeah, easy stupid. as possible. Yeah, uh-huh. And now they're like, oh, now you have to pay to play. Uh-huh. And then even when you pay, I, I told you're not people,
1: exactly. I told people five years ago that Facebook was gonna do that. Yeah. I literally told them I was like, Y'all gonna Facebook all the platforms, what they're not going to do is allow people to start making all this money free. So now if you want to and you know, Facebook sends me stuff all the time. Um have different programs that you could join. They have a lot of tools and stuff that people don't even realize right. it's in there. If people are going to their meta suites and both if they have the business page or if they're in the professional mode, you have all these access to tools and stuff, resources that will enhance your page. Yeah. Um, But they're not going to sit there and just let people make all this money and stuff. And then they don't get anything out of it. And I get it. it's yeah. a part of advertising marketing. You want to reach more people, you got to advertise and let people know that you exist and mm-hmm. go after those new uh, clients and scale and get as big as you want to get as You know, your heart desire. So I definitely get that. But, you know, you can uh, continue. I just want to add that little sit-in about the
0: podcast and stuff. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, you know, that's the thing, too. I, I want to say this for people who are listening. TikTok's going to do the same thing eventually, okay? Mm-hmm. Instagram did it. YouTube did mm-hmm. it. Like, I mm-hmm. know people... I mentioned my friend Pat Flynn earlier. He said the same thing about YouTube. It used to be that he'd put up a video, a kettlebell video on YouTube. This is like 10-plus years ago. And it's was like, bam, you know, you got 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 mm-hmm. views. And now, you know, he puts something up, and it gets like paltry, you know, number of views <laughs> relative to yeah, what he was getting. It. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't matter that the that the information is great. You know, uh-huh. it's just that's the way that it works. Like the so the social media platforms, it's like they start off, and then early on, it's easy to get all this organic success. And then once mm-hmm. enough people are on there, then they switch directions, they switch gears so that the next step is that there's you are adding some sort of an investment in order to be able to uh to uh, excel at what they mm-hmm. want so yeah um keep that in mind folks i think social media this is one of the things that is useful to mention too is that i think social media is a valuable tool mm-hmm. uh, but you do not want your business to be dependent on it because then in reality mm-hmm. you don't actually own the business mm-hmm. facebook owns the business or instagram mm-hmm. owns it because you don't have access to the database of people who are, all, who are mm-hmm. your followers. Um, you don't have access, meaning you can't download it and take it somewhere else. You know, yeah. you can't really access it. So but a lot of people make that mistake. And this is one of the reasons why I think, you know, email marketing is useful because you actually can mm-hmm. take that database, move it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, all that to say, I think that uh, these are uh, that slow but sure evolution is a, a huge way to make sure that you are continuing to move forward and so for me for 2024 a big part of it is going to be kind of buckling down a bit on getting better met uh, on uh, getting better at measuring certain metrics that i think will help you know doing more of like what i'm doing here with uh, Mm -hmm. some uh self-aggrandizing self you know publicity and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and um writing more books you know putting myself out in in more ways that i've done in years past but only on a on a smaller scale and um I would also say I'm gonna. I have it in mind to create a bunch of new courses and programs and challenges that I think are going to help to solve problems that I have started to notice uh, that a lot more people have that had slipped through the cracks, even for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, a good example would be um, kettlebell or bodyweight training for people who are, you know, maybe in the the boomer category, their 50s, mm-hmm. late 60s, stuff like that, uh, mm-hmm. and just want to have a better understanding of how to get stronger and fitter using these Mm -hmm. things but Mm -hmm. might be might benefit from having uh, a different instruction as opposed to the kind of instruction I might give to a 30 or 40 year old who's been reasonably active and can kind of speed up their process. So a whole lot of things, but I would say it would come down to more than anything, uh, expanding my offerings for the people who I can help but have not done enough to help and then expanding my marketing so that I can reach those people much more easily And Mm -hmm. I can help more people crush weakness and forge epic strength. And Mm -hmm. no matter what their age, make their heyday something that they can see ahead of them rather Mm -hmm. than something that they have to look behind them to see. I love that.
1: Now, I remember reading that, too, and watching that in videos and stuff. Uh, I love the fact that you look at it that way and that, you know, you put that out there so people don't think that their best years have already came, that their best years are actually for it. Yeah, it has been a wonderful conversation talking to talk you. Uh, let people know if they want to get in contact, they want to learn about information, if they need to email you, get on your email list. <laughs> what do they need to do?
0: Well, I would say for sure, if you are interested in the fitness side of things and uh, you're intrigued about this idea of getting stronger, fitter and healthier, keeping in mind, you know, I'm not an expert in machines or, you know, dumbbells and barbells and things like that. It's just kettlebells, body weight and movement. And if that if that does appeal to you, my nine minute challenge I think would be something that you'd get quite a bit out of. So if you go to nine minute challenge dot com, you'll you'll be able to download a free copy of it, uh, and it will put you on my daily email list as we've discussed here. And you can leave anytime you want. You know, there's not like one of those movies where somebody joins a cult and they're like, you can leave whenever you want. And then there's like this <laughs> list of like <laughs> deadly things to try to leave. You just unsubscribe and you're good to go. And of yes. course you can keep the nine minute challenge. So there's you know no hard feelings there. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, that's what I would say would be the easiest way to get a hold of me. I mean, you can reach out on the, uh, the various social media channels. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. I'm on, um, uh, Instagram. Uh, s- usually I'm pretty good about, uh, responding to messages there. Sometimes I don't see them because they may go into a separate, uh, category, but by all means, you can reach out to me on there. I'm not on TikTok, I'm not mm-hmm. on Snapchat. I feel that because I'm in my thirties, that's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's unbecoming to be on these, like teeny bopper social media channels. So I, I avoid them. Uh, but all the other ones, yes. So that's what I would say. 9 challenge.com if you're if you're interested and intrigued by the fitness side of things. Um, and then uh, seek me out on social media. My name is spelled kind of funny. It's Alex, A-L-E-K-S, not A-L-E-X. And last name is Salkin, S-A-L-K-I-N. So uh, check me out. And if you have any questions, comments, snide remarks, uh, fighting words. You just let me know. We'll, uh, we'll beef it out online.
1: Thank you for your time. Y'all make sure y'all go and y'all check out the minute challenge, nine minute challenge.com. And like you said, if y'all want to, y'all go and join that email list. If you want to opt out, opt out of it. But if you're interested in fitness and the kettlebell and learning how to use that piece of equipment or just uh, overall, like, I think you have fantastic information to be able to provide anybody so yeah make sure y'all go and y'all do that and Alex I appreciate it I would love to like you know catch up sometime in 2024 to see where you you know evolve to
0: absolutely absolutely I uh I hope that by the end of it we have both crushed so many of our goals that Mm -hmm. uh, the previous year seems almost unrecognizable
1: that's what's up I, I, I look forward to that and you know I welcome that
0: absolutely